This is a HeadGum Podcast. Now let's Let's start start the show. show. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. This is why you're Welcome to the This Is Why You're Single podcast. I'm Laura Lane. And I'm Angela Sparrow. We are the co-writers of the book, This Is Why You're Single. Every week we highlight a different dating topic. This week's episode is Find Your your Inner inner zen. Zen. Also on the lineup, we're talking about what's new in dating news, why way too many teens are using the pullout method, and why one woman makes her boyfriend sign a relationship contract. Then we are diving into the mailbox to answer your listener questions. But first, we want to welcome this week's guest. Jillian Turecki is a New York-based yoga teacher and a certified coach who has over 15 years of experience. She has been studying the art and science of fulfillment. She trained in working with individuals, couples, and families. I have studied yoga with her, and I've also gone to many of her relationship talks, which I gotta say is a game changer. She is the real deal. Please welcome Jillian Turecki. Thank you guys. So happy to be here. Yes. Welcome to the show. Um, So Jillian, I first met you as a yoga teacher. What first got you into coaching, which is now like your main gig? Yeah. Coaching. So, you know, I've been teaching yoga for many, many years and, um, I always knew that I wanted to do something in addition to just teaching yoga, something to help people. I just didn't really know what it was. And actually what got me into coaching was just a lot of trauma. I mean, I went through a really painful divorce and my mom died and it was all happened around the same time. So it was one of those things where like my life as I knew it fell apart so that something could be rebuilt as cheesy as it sounds. It's just sort of how it it went down. Yeah. So what was your first step when you were going through all this? Um, you mean in terms of like becoming a coach? Yeah, or, yeah. and finding like the recovery. help. Recovery. Yeah, yes. finding the help that you needed. Yeah, you know, it, it was so interesting because I had a neighbor, someone who lived in my building who's a coach, and we were, you know, very friendly, and she saw me like literally the day after my husband left, and she was like, something's wrong. And I was like, oh God, yeah, you don't even want to know. But anyway, we started to speak and she was really lovely to me. And it was just one of those moments which I like to refer to as like grace when like something has is looking out after you. And it was funny because she she was like, you should become a coach. And I was like, oh God, like the last thing I could think about is like a career move. And uh, But she planted the seed, and also I knew at that time that I wanted to work with her because I just needed some help. And um, she had mentioned Tony Robbins to me, and I was like, the... Um, guy from Shallow Howl? Yeah, the guy from Shallow Howl, <laughs> or like the infomercial, basically the infomercial guy. Right. Yeah. And she was like, no, but he's also so much more, which I kind of knew peripherally, but not really. And she's like, let me send you some stuff that you can't find on the internet, like some videos of him. And I was like, fine. And it was that night that I put it on with the expectation to hate him just because I'm sort of a cynic that way. And, you know, 10 minutes in, I was like, I need more of this. Wow. And that was the first step. And then I, you know, started listening to more and more stuff and, and, got a bunch of his like video and stuff like that. And that's what got me up every day. And then I was like, okay, maybe I am going to do this coaching thing. And I enrolled in his school. He partnered with um, one of the uh, most world-renowned strategic family coaches by the name of Chloe Madonna's. And I enrolled in the school and I, 
I, I have to say like, it was all of that that made me realize that what happened in that time of my life was so traumatic. I would never want to repeat it ever. Um, but I created an empowering meaning out of it. So wow. I turned it into something where it, you know, moved my life in a better direction. And I think that's what coaching is really all about. It's like you can take something unfortunate circumstances and change the meaning so that it actually means something powerful. What did you learn about your own relationship that you couldn't see when you were in it at the time? Good question. Um, I learned how much, even though I... I had made a lot of leaps and bounds in terms of how I communicated with my husband um, at the time, but I had so much more learning to do. I also learned that, um, you know, uh, though I always thought that I had a relatively healthy amount of self-confidence, I realized that I did not really have a clear sense of my personal standard and personal values and what really is not okay with me and why. Um, I also learned that, you know, I learned about my part in all of it. I learned so much about, you know, I really wanted to dive deep into male psychology so I could understand men better because that's what I date are men and I couldn't really understand it. And after divorce, I was like very much like I didn't want to be around any men. Mm. And I was like, I need to figure this out. So I just went deep into male psychology and now I have a totally different, I mean, there's just, I don't have any issues when it comes to guy. I actually understand them and help a lot of women who date them and also men who date them understand them. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, that was a lot of what I learned and that it takes two. It always takes two. Wow. So, okay, so you trained with the um, Robbins Madonnas Center and now you're a coach. Yeah. Um, what did your training entail? Like, I know yeah. that Tony Robbins has some unorthodox methods, would you call it? Yeah. There, there's some. Are you afraid chanting? of the walking on coals? I mean, the walking on coals and the, like, what else? Like what? You know, it's funny because if you go to a Tony Robbins event, he's got, he's got a couple of events, um, or at least two I've been to. And then you've got like unleash the power within where you walk on fire and there's all this, you know, like crazy stuff, which, by the way, I did. And, and, I, and I, by the way, I love that you said that you're a cynic because I am also. Uh, and I would be like, mm, yeah, I'm not going to yeah. do this because my feet will set on fire. Oh, yeah, but. totally. But you have to roll with it. I mean, basically, the whole premise behind all of it, all the strategy is that your state is what controls everything. So where you are, your mindset controls everything. So if you get into a very specific mindset that you can walk on coals, you can walk on coals and not get burned. I mean, let me just say he spent 12 hours preparing us and preparing our psychology to be able to do it. But it was it's such an amazing example of how powerful the mind is over matter, really. And... Uh, so that was really cool. So, I mean, in, in the school, you know... But, like, the coals, they have must, like, physically burn your skin. Can they, your mind, like, stop your skin from burning? I know. It's so it's so interesting. I don't I mean, understand. Yeah. I mean, you there are cultures out there where, like, indigenous cultures where they walk on, like, basically, like, pins and needles and all of that. And yeah. they do not... Or they lie down on, like, a bed of nails and they do not get affected. Like... How? I know. Because you know what? Your mind... Your mindset can have a biochemical effect on your physiology. And so, 
you just, I mean, I don't even really quite understand it myself. Did you walk on the coals for a second before he talked so you could feel that they were really hot? <laughs> no, you see the fire. You actually see that they're like fine. There are some people who get burned, but you literally, he gets you into like an altered state. And they walk, and you go through it really fast. You're basically like one, you know, I'm not like stopping in the middle of the coals being like, right. let's see how this feels. Yeah. I'm walking really fast, but I didn't feel anything. But when I tell you that I went into an altered state, I went into a fucking altered like, state. Are you like how to, like, I do when I'm in Shavasana in your class? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> exactly. I do. I feel like I'm on another planet sometimes. Oh. No, I went on. All right, you go to another planet. I mean, you're like, you know, it's crazy. Wow. Are you supposed to like focus on anything specific or are you just... You're supposed to not focus on the coals. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so like anything else? You're just like, you're like going into like, you're repeating like basically a mantra to yourself. You're like not looking at your go, your body... There's so much adrenaline coursing through your veins. And you hear these stories of like mothers who like can pick up a car if their child is pinned underneath. And I think there's a a very similar physiological thing that's going on that's deeply related to adrenaline. So this actually leads me to my next question. Some of your sessions when you're coaching include meditation, yoga, and other physical activity. I want to know why is the mind-body connection so important to um, how you coach people? Yeah, so, you know, um, we hold our emotions in our body and we also, our body does emotion. So, like, if you think about the physiological pattern of sadness, it has a certain pattern. Your shoulders are doing one thing, your respiratory system's doing a thing, your eyes are doing a certain thing. You're actually repeating stuff in your head. You're focusing on something. Same thing if you're happy or joyful. Your body's doing something. Your breath is doing something. So it's more like what I work on with um, people who I coach is to, to have them realize that their bodies are a big part of what's happening, which means that you can use your body to change your your emotion at any time. Like, you know, I am a big proponent of moving your, you move your body, you completely change your your mind. (laughs) There have been studies, I actually try to consciously do this a lot, like studies where if you, if you smile, when you're sad, there's like a chemical change within your body that it can like actually make you happy. And I... I notice myself, I, I try to do that a lot. Like if I'm just notice myself kind of, uh, you know, with a neutral face, some people would call it resting bitch face. I like to not call it resting right. bitch. But if I have resting bitch face, I'll try to like, just like smile. And I do, I feel myself getting happy. And you convince yourself that you're happy. Aren't there like towns in India? I feel like I've read about this where there, there's like little villages in India where they, every morning they get together and they laugh in a circle yes. and they like, and they all just like laugh and then it's like how that. you how you start your day on a positive yeah, foot. Yeah, then that's that's pretty awesome. I know. Here. I want to live in that village. Yeah. It's not that village is not called Brooklyn. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> um so this podcast is about dating, Jillian. Yes, yes. My favorite topic. Are you dating anybody? Uh, can we know, ask that? Yeah, sure you can <laughs> ask me anything. You know, funny I'm not and um I'm open to it, but it's so lovely like of course I want love in my life and that would be great but I'm I feel really content not um and of course you know again of course I want to I want to love someone I want to share love but I feel really good about focusing on what I need to focus on work-wise and so I am open to dating 
but I'm not a dating app kind of girl. Yeah. You know, I know when the time is right, he just kind of walks right in. It's sort of like how it goes, and we'll see what happens. Have any of your students ever hit on you? I've always uh, wondered that because, like, no, because like dating yeah. dating a yoga teacher is like it's like the dream, right? They're like they're like in charge, they're powerful. They also have like you know they're flexible and have like the perfect body. Yeah. And like and like Jillian will do like corrections on you or she's grabbing your hips. It's like I can imagine yeah. if you've got like a crush on your teacher and they're yeah. like touching you. I have been hit on quite a bit. It's it's not uncommon. No, it's not. <laughs> and actually, full disclosure, my ex husband, he wasn't like a hardcore student, but he was someone who came to my class really? once in a while. Yeah, that's how I met him. And then he wasn't allowed back in the studio. Yeah, exactly. The and he was like, bye. And then I was like, bye, never again. Never again. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. How long were you married? Um, we were just married two years together. Um, almost five years. Mm-hmm. Short marriage, but a long mm-hmm. time. Five years is significant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so many times I've read when you're trying to communicate, it's best to start with "I feel" because it sounds less blamey and accusatory than than you know you are doing this. But I was reading one of your newsletters recently, and you talked a lot about how you don't like I feel, and you say it's like a sneaky fake out. So I wanted to know more about why. Okay, so why you don't like the like some of the examples you gave were like I feel pissed that I feel I feel like I'm being taken for granted when yes. So so in other words, if you're gonna say I feel pissed when you do it when you do something right when I feel pissed when you look at your phone at dinner. Just the just because I said I feel in the beginning of it doesn't mean that I'm a good communicator. I'm still basically saying fuck you, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's I do want people to share more of their feelings, but really share their feelings, not just say I feel like I feel you you're know, a dick. Yeah, you, I feel like you're a dick. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, I feel so you can't you can't mess with me it's because not it's like my feelings. It's not like a get out of free card. Yeah, because people are like, well, you know, there's this like new semi new thing. It's like, well. You can't tell me it's my feelings, so you can't argue about it. So if I say I feel like you're a dick and someone wants to like challenge me on it, then I would, you know, then my thought is like, well, I said I feel in the beginning, and if that's my feelings, you can't say anything about it. And that's just a crock of shit. That's bullshit. Yeah, Yeah, it's bullshit. So if you, you want, so just saying I feel doesn't mean anything. But if you can actually say something to the degree of like, well, when you're on your phone at dinner, I actually feel lonely. I feel like I feel ignored and lonely because that's the truth. Mm-hmm. That's I like the that. truth, and it's and it's vulnerable. And I think people respond to truth and vulnerability. I will say though, one of my hugest pet peeves is when people speak in absolutes and like like if they were like. <laughs> You're on your phone because you don't care about me. Right. Like mm-hmm. that, nothing bothers me more. So in that scenario, I feel more respected by like some I feel words, you know, like yeah. where you're not assuming you know why I'm acting the way I am. Oh, yeah. Yes. But yeah, so, focusing on you, like if you were like, I, this, instead of being like, yeah, instead of guessing why the other person's doing their actions, mm-hmm. talking about how you feel right yeah oh sure and then that's basically it just like i you know i'm not saying you don't care when you're on your phone but i feel lonely when you're on your phone right you know like i just feel like i want to connect with you and i can't in this moment and i want to so badly 
that's like that's a nice way to deliver that I think because I because I think it's actually the truth if someone is irritated that their partner is on the phone while they're at dinner Mm -hmm. you know I mean on the surface the reason why it usually turns into a fight because it's like someone speaking in an absolute and being like you're breaking a rule of mine you're being rude and so that always leads to a fight. Mm-hmm. But what are you really feeling in that moment? You're feeling like you want to connect with this person and they don't want to connect with you and or you don't feel like they're connecting with you and that feels sad and crummy. And yeah. that's, it's better to express that mm-hmm. than to be like, you are rude. Mm-hmm. So Angela would say, I feel sad when you eat all my gummy bears, Ian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which he has done. <laughs> yes, not nice. I've had like three people... Talk to me about that story of Ian eating it's all your gummy bears. Um, and Jill- then he threw away the color. The, just the color. to give you some background. How would you as a coach deal with this? Actually, okay. this okay. is fun. J- uh, Ian ate all the red gummy bears, which everybody knows are the best gummy bears. And the white, yeah. Uh, there were no white in the package, okay. but I agree with you. Okay. And then <laughs> the ones that he didn't like, instead of saving them for me, it was bad enough that he ate all the red, which we were supposed to share. Yeah. He threw the rest out. Oh, but he threw the rest out because he figured you didn't want them. Hmm. No, he knew. He, I don't but pass he up a gummy bear. he was to be mean. No, he did it because he was high on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> but or that, still. Or that. Or that. Such a lack of thoughtfulness. Yeah. I would be like, just leave her a red gummy bear on her pillow. <laughs> leave please. one, right? Leave one. Never, leave one. never eat the last food. Don't eat the... Don't, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad to know you don't think our relationship is doomed based on that no, story, I, I think, guess. I think you're okay. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so you also write about being emotionally fit. Yes. Your mantra is uh, curiosity is the cure for criticism. And you say when you trade in your judgment for curiosity, you will immediately shift all of your relationships. So tell us what you mean by that. Yeah. So I believe that criticizing or blaming your partner like kills love, basically. Because it's human nature when we're criticized or we're blamed for something, we're going to want to retaliate. We're going to want to defend really. And so every time you blame someone, it immediately makes, I mean, think about when you're blamed, you know, like someone just doesn't like the way you do something and they criticize something that you do. Do you feel less or more willing to open to that person? I get very Less. defensive. Yes. yes. And you shut <laughs> I down. I get cray cray defensive. Definitely yeah. shut down. Yeah. You go, you, everyone goes into shutdown. And then as soon as you go into shutdown, it like blocks the flow of love. And so when you don't like, when someone doesn't like something that their partner or someone they're dating is doing, it's much better just to get curious to be like, wow, hmm. I wonder why this is happening. I wonder why it's triggering me so much. I wonder, like, what else could this person mean? Mm-hmm. You know, what are they fearful about? What are they scared about? If they're doing something that I don't like, if they're anxious or whatever, and I don't like that. You know, instead of saying, you know, you're anxious all the time, which, by the way, is going to make them more anxious, you could just be like, hmm, like, I love this person. They're getting anxious a lot. Something must be going on. Let me find out. I love that. Yeah. I wish I could do that in my everyday life. But 
It's hard, man. <laughs> it's hard, but you know, it's only hard because we think like, you know, you just got to train yourself to do it so it becomes yeah, natural. You have to train yourself and also because you're you're giving a you're giving a meaning to it. Like if someone is like for example anxious and you don't like it, you're giving it a certain meaning. You're giving it a narrative and a story that usually has got nothing to do with what's really going on. It's, it's all a projection. Point. And that's part of being emotionally fit is just to realize how much dysfunction you bring to the relationship and to like be understanding of your partner, really. Yeah. It takes training for your brain, but also the alternative feels so crappy that like you're like, I don't want to feel this way. Let me try and work on my emotional fitness. Yeah. So like that in that sense it's it's easy Definitely. to start doing. Anything that's gonna motivate you out of suffering and pain. Yeah. I love that. Uh, on that note, guys, are you ready to jump into what's in the news? Yes. Yeah. I'll be waiting for the day when one person says no. 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 Uh, Angela, what have you been reading? Well, on a much different note than everything we've been talking about, Cosmo. Sexy. Thank you. Says that, I was ready for that one. Yeah, that was really good. Thanks. Time um, they say that way too many teens are using the pullout method. No, no, no. No, 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 teens. Um, See, uh, this is what I don't get. Oh, you haven't even explained what the article is, <laughs> but just from the title alone, I gotta say, when I was a teen, I would use like a condom. <laughs> I would use the pullout method with a condom, birth control, the after morning, yes. and the after morning pill. I was so paranoid. Same. <laughs> it Same. was like, it was I mean, not out, as a teen, but. Pull out condom, birth control, and an after morning <laughs> pill just to be sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, according to a new report published by the CDC's National Center for Health Statistics, 60% of teens surveyed said they rely on withdrawal as their primary contraceptive method. Um, that puts pulling out at the second most common birth as the second most common birth control method behind good old fashioned condoms, which is ninety seven percent of teens surveyed, um, which is good. That's good. Ninety seven percent is a lot of people using condoms. Yeah, far better. But sixty percent. Uh, this is why we got to make birth control more accessible. I yes. guess so. And also just educate teens because I think that they don't realize they're like, oh, it's like foolproof. Like the, the semen isn't going inside you, but you're not accounting for STDs. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah, you, it's hard to time out. So the right- hard to time. Yeah. And everybody at this point should know so about good. that. Everyone should know about that like pre-cum stuff. Yes. Yeah, really. Especially guys, as a teenager. Yeah. But guys, they haven't been having like sex that long. They don't know their bodies. They can't time that shit perfectly. Right. And then you're in big trouble. And something that I've read also... Um, if you have sex once and then ejaculate, whatever, but then like right after that, if you have sex again, you could still have a little semen oh, in yeah, your I've heard that shaft. One. You've heard and that before? I've heard that one. I mean, I don't think it really applies after a certain age, but you know, teenage right. girls like definitely like... They're fertile. They're fertile. Right. They are. Yeah. So yeah, something get, to keep get, in mind. You get older and you're like, oh, it's hard to have kids. And you're like, what? but why are all these... You know, 16 and pregnant, they don't even want the babies. It's like, because they're fertile as shit. Yeah, yeah. basically. Um, does any, what is the rhythm method, by the way? Does anybody know what that is? I think it's the, it's, the rhythm method is going by like when, the, when you're ovulating. But my doctor oh. actually like last week was like, this is why the rhythm method is bullshit. <laughs> and he was like going on this rant because like, you don't, it's like really hard to predict. Like sperm can last like a whole lot yeah. of days. Yeah, well, like, I was going to say, I have like a friend of a friend who got pregnant twice using the rhythm method. She didn't learn the first time. No, the rhythm method is a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. So, 
I'm just knocking that as a contraceptive off as well. Yes. Yeah. Teens, don't do it. Nope. Don't, don't do, do it. it. Condoms. Go to Planned Parenthood, right? You can get condoms. Yeah. Planned Parenthood. You want to know what I've been reading about? Yeah. Okay. I've been reading the New York Times Modern Love section, which I'm obsessed with. I listen to their podcast as well. Uh, this is an article by Mandy Len Catron, who also penned the article that Angela and I talk a lot about, which is the 36 questions to <gasps> fall in love. She did. she did. So this is an article called To Stay in Love, Sign on the Dotted Line. And I'm so interested to hear what Jillian thinks of this. So she wrote about how her and her boyfriend, Mark, have a relationship contract. It's called the Mark and Mandy's Relationship Contract. And it's a four-page, single-space document that they will sign and date that lasts for exactly 12 months. The contract spells out everything from sex to chores to finances to our expectations for the future. She writes, writing a relationship contract may sound calculating or unromantic, but every relationship is contractual. We're just making the terms more specific. The terms range from the familiar, we will take care of each other when one of us is sick. Their dog Roscoe gets an entire section detailing his walking schedules, vet visits, and even how sweet they think he is. They also have a house guest section. Guests can stay for up to two weeks, but must be mutually vetted. And they have an item that deals with Mark's sweaty running clothes. He agrees to hang these up in the spare room or on the back of the bathroom door, but he wants Mandy to know that this may be a fairly common occurrence. They agree to split the bill when eating out, except for special meal dates. Under sex and intimacy, for, they wrote that they agree to be monogamous because right now monogamy suits us, but they don't assume that that's what they will always want. And I'm dying to know what Jillian thinks because <laughs> I went to one of her like seminars where she like went on this like basically long talk about how you shouldn't like do like tit for tat and you shouldn't be thinking like, well, he walked the dog, so like you have to do the dishes and like, you know, I did the dishes. So like you have to do the laundry and like, that's just like not a way to live. Cause it's like ebbs and flow. I'm probably going to explain it wrong, but <laughs> no, I want to, I want to yeah. guess, tell me if I was a good student. Yeah. You're a great student. So basically everything that I'm hearing right now, what you're reading can make actually for a relationship that works, but it's a relationship with no passion. There's no way that that is a sexy relationship. It may work, and if two people are really obsessed with certainty and having things really safe, then they, then and they both feel that way, then and they sign, sign the contract, then they actually both feel really safe. But passion and sex and 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 um, all of that and sexual attraction lives in the realm of the uncertainty of uncertainty. So there's no. So again, that might work, but. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's what you talked about in another one of your talks, which was like balancing being safe with also, while also having like a little like uncertainty and mystery. Is yeah. That what it, yeah, yeah, exactly. So like the, the contract is just very safe. And so, and, and, and safety is important, but there's just no, there's nothing, you know, if, what's sexy about a partnership? Nothing. I mean, it's a business, con- it's a business transaction and there's nothing hot about that. Again, can the relationship work? Yes. Will it be like mind-blowing and fulfilling and, and exciting? No way. And that's just the bottom line. What do you think about like the tit for tat, like being like you have to do the dishes and yeah. he's hanging his clothes here and this is who does the dog walks yeah. and like so isn't so, like like I feel like at least with Nick and I like sometimes when I've been like very busy like when Angela and I were working on our book or we or I've got a sketch show like Nick steps up to the plate and he's like basically completely taking care of the dog whereas if I had a contract like this where I'm supposed to like do certain walks and then I'm not like fulfilling my like part of the contract that would be an issue and then like other times when like he's really busy or he's like out of town or like. 
like got an art show, then like I'll step up to the plate and like I'll be taking care of the dog. So we kind of just like feel it out more. Yeah. And I, I mean, think- I guess it like unless you're if you're not communicating, that could like build resentment if one person feels like they're doing more than the other, but they don't talk about it, which is why a contract might be good. But I feel like it also doesn't leave any wiggle room for like for life and like ebbs and flows of how things change. Yeah, I mean, so the first thing that I'll say is that, you know, I don't really believe that there's any one way to have a relationship. I don't believe in rules or anything like that. Um, I mean, actually, I believe rules are meant to be broken. That's sort of like my 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 belief system. But um, I will say, though, that the whole tit for tat, like you do that if you're not doing this amount, then I'm not going to do this amount. Well, I'll show you this amount of love if I get this amount of love. Um, keeps people at a very um, particular place in their relationship. Can it work? Yes. Will it be really fulfilling? Will it be passionate? No. Because to take your relationship to the next level, to feel like that real in love passion, it's not about meeting a person halfway. It's about meeting the person all the way. And if you have two people doing that, you know, it's not like you're not keeping tabs. Now, certainly if you're in a relationship and you feel like you're not getting your needs met or like you can have a discussion about that. But, you know, if you give, it's like if you're giving to get, mm-hmm. that is a really, it's not a good mindset. It just really, for just keeping in, track. Yeah. Just in, just in general in life. I mean, if you're in a relationship and you don't feel like love, that's like, that's something different. If you need to have a conversation about all that for sure. Um, and I'm certainly not suggesting that people just like give and give and give and not, and not receive anything in return. But if you're giving just to get and you're, and everything is a contract again, it can work, but then it's, then you are in partnership. You have a business transaction and that is not sexy. It just isn't. And so, yeah, I agree. Like what you and Nick do, I think that's healthy. It's like, you know, you just, you go for bat for one another and you're not keeping tabs. I think it's just a really, I've seen it, I've seen it go really south very quickly for couples when, when that's how they're rolling. They don't want to give unless they're getting. If you had a relationship contract, Angela, what would be on yours? (gasps) Oh God. (laughs) I mean, I know what would be on Ian's. What would be on Ian's? Well, relevant to everything we're saying. uh, Can I guess? Doing the dishes? any kind of cleaning oh yeah yeah that's that's a big point of contention in our relationship because i mean he does he cleans a lot um and i don't think he does it because he expects me to do anything uh in return like i don't think he has like an ulterior motive in cleaning but like he just doesn't want to be like a single mom in our relationship (laughs) and i'm 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 sympathetic so um i would i would sign that contract i guess You know what? Dishes are like a big topic, but I always tell people you're not really fighting about the dishes. Mm. It's like something else because if like the person complaining about the dishes felt really loved and really taken care of and, you know, just nurtured. They They wouldn't give a shit about doing the dishes. They would let the dishes slide. Right. But it's usually a metaphor for something else. It's like, and on top of it all, you don't do the dishes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's a really good point. Yeah. 
Um, so in this contract, did they say if there was like any repercussion for breaking the contract? Oh yeah, good question. No. And oh, that, that's what the hell? I mean, I assume that like the repercussion is you break up. The contract oh is a, those are high stakes <laughs> well, then, actually. That, I mean, I don't think you break up if like someone doesn't like walk the dog when they're supposed to. <sighs> but no, they didn't have a punishment section, at least not that she wrote about. But that is a great question. I would be very curious if uh <laughs> And Mandy has an answer to yeah, that. Yeah, they need yeah. a lawyer to drop their next contract. I <laughs> they think. really do, because yeah, what, what's the point of contract if there's no if there's no consequences? Yeah, really. Uh, all right, are you guys ready to jump into the mailbox? No. <laughs> oh, well, good because we're going to take a little break to thank some of our sponsors. Oh, good. First. All right, Angela, what do we have in the mailbox for Jillian to help us answer? All right, Jillian. First up, we have an email from Ashlyn. Ashlyn writes, I have a problem with a guy. This most awful problems begin. Um, we have a huge history. He saw me through a bad breakup, my mother passing away, leukemia, and visited me weekly during a psychiatric stay as I have a mental health disorder. He loved me for years and I always was seeing other guys. We tried dating for two years. Oh, I'm sorry. We tried dating two years ago, but I just couldn't find him sexually attractive. Then he decided to move to Paris and we slept together and I could see it all. The sex, the love, the future. I wanted everything. He scarcely responds to my messages and tries adamantly to shut me out because he wants to, quote, enjoy his life in Europe. A couple of months ago, he sent me sex, a sexy message and we started talking about sex and kids and then he totally backed off. He said, the only thing you bring to my life is begging to be friends and I should be having fun. Ooh, the nerve, she says. I'm so hurt, but I still care deeply for him. We have so much history and I can really see a future with him, which is complicated because I'm infertile from my chemo treatments and I will have to do IVF to have kids with frozen eggs. Okay, this is a loaded one. Yeah. None of this scares him and I'm hard pressed to find a man who doesn't run in the first three months. I think it's worth sticking out, but am I just being a hopeless romantic? Should I give it time or move on? Oh, Ashlyn. Ashlyn, I mean, I would just, I need more information. Like, mm. you know, like, so he was there for her during a hard time and he really was into her. Like he wanted to date her. Yeah. yeah but like she he, was dating other people at the yeah. time. So he was just kind of a support, yeah. a supportive friend. And now, and then he wanted to move to Paris and then all of a sudden she's into him. Yeah. Right. Basically. They basically want each other when they can't have each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what my guess is that when she was going through that hard time and he was being there for her, that maybe he was, um, I want to say that he lost a little bit of himself, a little bit of his backbone and maybe was doing, this is just a guess, Ashlyn. I wonder if he was just doing so much for you that he felt like a little bit, like a little, like helping slave and that was just unsexy. And then as soon as you started to see him as someone who had a life and other interests and wasn't just about you, then you started to see that he was actually someone who was more attractive. Mm. And now, so she, it wasn't that she wasn't sexually attracted to him like she thought, because she thought at the time she wasn't attracted to him like physically or sexually. Well, she wasn't attracted to him because he was probably like doing too much for her. Mm. And I don't, I don't want to give the wrong idea. I mean, like when you love someone, you do a lot for them. You should do, you should want to do anything for them. But I wonder if he was like, 
I just wonder, I, I would want to know more about the relationship when he was doing stuff for her during that time. Maybe he was like doing too much and it just, he never, she never really got to see him um, in a different light as someone who's like got a life, you know? Because right. I think that, especially in the beginning when it comes to sexual attraction, you know, l- being loving and caring is so important. But if we don't see that someone has a personal standard, and they have their own life, and they're like things that they're interested in and passionate about. I, I, my gut instinct is that he made it all about her, and not in like the loving way, but in the way like I don't have a life kind of way. Right. Like I a, wonder. Like a doormat keep, kind of. Keeping your yeah. like keeping your independence and like your sense of self in your own life is yes. just so vital. And I and again, I don't know enough to even say that. It's just my guess because then when he was moving off to Paris, and she saw that he she can't like just turn to him at any given moment that he actually has like you know other things in his life she started to see him in a new light and then maybe at that point he was like uh you know i've been pursuing you for so long you weren't interested and now i don't know if i am he's being so confusing with the like the sexy messages that he's sending her and then he's saying like oh leave me alone i'm trying to have fun in europe like he seems a little confused too yeah he's definitely confused so i would just say you know um if someone is not being clear with you, the only thing you can do is be really clear. <laughs> so I like you, that. Yeah. yeah. So you don't need to rely on his clarity to move forward. You can say, listen, this is what's going on for me. This is what I want. Do you want the same thing? No? Great. Peace be with you. You do? Great. Let's move forward. I love that. Yeah. Yes or no question. Yeah. I like that a lot. <laughs> you, know, you don't need to rely on his clarity or lack of it. Clarity. I don't have anything to add. That was perfect. No, yeah. I love that. Yeah, and I think you're totally right. I yeah. agree too. What else do we have in the mailbox? Okay. We have a question from Mike who is in his 40s and from Arizona. He says, per your advice, I'm on Bumble. Did you tell him to go on Bumble in an email or does he uh, no, just mean our podcast he just means advice? I think he learned about Bumble through our podcast. Wonderful. Yeah. Yay. Spread in the word. We sh- they should give us money. <laughs> sure. Um, A little finder's fee, if you Yeah, will. please. So he says, in my, Bumble pro- uh, in my Bumble bio, I'd like to indicate that I'm interested in a partner with spirituality, but how do I phrase that in one word or make it concise so it's not misleading? I think spirituality is important in one's life, but I think people can define spirituality any way they want. Spirituality might mean going to church, attending yoga sessions, meditation, or however you find a little peace in your life. I'm an each his own kind of guy. So whatever you believe is fine as long as you aren't getting in my face with inflexible beliefs. Previously, I alluded to spirituality in my dating profile and the young lady wanted to know when I became a Christian and wanted to, to wanted me to quote Bible verses. Um, that was too much for me. Please let me know if you have a good word or sentence that conveys the right message but doesn't dominate or derail my profile. I really love this question. This is such a me unique too. one. I don't think we've gotten one like I this. Yeah, and he's being yeah. very thoughtful. About what would you how say, Jillian? What forward. I would say is define what spirituality means to you which he did in this email so he could kind of he's got a star yeah so instead of using the word spirituality give the meaning it is for you like mm. this is like you know what's important to me is a you know a meditation practice or whatever spirituality means to you is what you should share rather than just saying the word spirituality, which you've already uncovered is a loaded word and can mean a lot of different things. So to explain what its meaning is to you and you will find someone like-minded. Mm, I like that. 
Bumble gives you such little. You can you can't type or can you type can a lot? You, you can. You can. I you don't, can say it in a sentence. Yeah. You know. So you can't yeah. guarantee that people will read a lot if you write a lot. But you know, you can say it in a sentence or yeah. a sentence or two. He wants one word, and I'm not sure that we can give him one. I don't word. think there's one word. No, and I don't think there is. There's definitely not word because one word because and spirituality is the wrong word mm-hmm. because it mm-hmm. does. It's so vague now. Would you say spiritual gangster? Yeah. That's, Would I personally? No. I don't know. I think <laughs> if someone a spiritual, gangsta. if someone says they're looking for a spiritual gangster, I would not think Christian. I would think like, oh, they That's really true. are. They really are just like, yeah. I I, I would think that I don't know. For me, if I read, I'm looking from from like my fellow spiritual gangster. I know that's cheesy and there's like I think a spiritual gangster is like a brand of clothing that's like yoga clothing. I've seen it on hats. Yeah, it's on hats and stuff. Yes. But I, I I would think that means like not necessarily church going but like yoga sessions, meditation and like that type of thing. Or so, you could say something like growth. I'm really yeah. into growing. Oh, and I evo- like that. Or evolving. Mm, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Or what about just like believe in something? Ooh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Believe in something. Believe in something bigger than yourself. Ooh. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and a spiritual gangster. And a spiritual. <laughs> I feel like not everyone can pull off. I think there are some people that can pull off spiritual gangster, but like it probably looks silly for anybody. You have to be a special sort. Yeah, yeah. you do have to be sort of a special sort. But hey, try it. Try it. Why not? Um, I really like that. Do you guys have anything else to add? No, I think uh, I think that's it. I think he right. just has to get a little bit more specific about what it means to him, and didn't, and then say it in a word. Yeah, if you don't like bigger than yourself or spiritual gangster or growth, growth or yeah. like wanting to evolve. Yeah, we've thrown out some some ideas yeah. for you, yeah. but yeah, I think there's maybe not one word, uh, at least two words, or or growth, um, or connected. Ooh, yeah. Those all kind of involve spirituality a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and I think it's a little bit more specific. Cause spirituality is just too, I mean, yeah. it's just one of those words. It's too loaded. It too is, vague. right? Loaded and vague all at once. I'm curious, yeah. does it feel loaded like in the in the, like the yoga community? What is that? Do you feel like pressure to have some kind of spirituality or? Yeah, you know, because that's the thing. It's so vague. It's like, what does that even mean to be spiritual? You know, I mean, to me, to be spiritual just means to be like, connected to something bigger you know mm-hmm. connected to yourself connected to the world growing wanting to, wanting to be connected wanting to feel a part of something bigger you know it doesn't really mean like holding mala beads or teaching mm-hmm. yoga or anything like that so i think you have to be a little bit more specific spiritual it's like what does that even mean because the thing is there are many people who, who hear the word spiritual and then an archetype kind of gets into their head of like a yoga person or a med- or like a hippie or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's usually not what the person means or he wants to describe. So you just got to be a little bit more specific. It's yeah. Kind of a throwaway word these days. Yeah. I liked all of those explanations. It's kind of how I view myself, I guess. Yeah. I'd want to like grow. I want to evolve. I'm always looking for like how to better myself. Yeah. All of that. And be a part of yourself. That's being a, good a part one. of like something bigger. Yes. Yeah. Very into self-help. Self-improvement. Self-improvement. But you don't have like a coexist bumper sticker on the back of your car. No, no. I don't. <laughs> uh, well, I hope that was helpful to Mike. 
and I guess, and also to Ashlyn. Yeah. If you guys want your listener questions answered, or if you have any funny text messages or messages from an app that you want to share, you can email us at contact at this is why you're single show.com. You can also find all of our contact info on our website at this is why you're single show.com. Although we do have a new rule, you got to keep all of your questions to like one or two paragraphs max because we love to get the contacts. And actually, I guess it's kind of troubling because. Today, Jillian needed more context that we yeah. didn't have to offer her. But sometimes we get like, you know, book length stuff and we read them because we read everything you guys email us, but we can't read the whole thing on the podcast. It's hard for us to cut them down. Yeah. No and it's, it's easier no to, yeah, we can give you more concise advice if your email is concise. Yeah, there you go. Uh, all right, guys, we are going to jump into our reason of the week. This week's reason is find your inner zen. Yeah, so we kind of wanted to just talk about like what that means in terms of dating. To us, it meant like kind of centering yourself, finding your inner calm, not getting like anxious or freaked out mm-hmm. and just like taking things step by step. But we're curious like what that means to you. Yeah, so finding your inner zen when it comes to dating. I think that people... And it really just depends on who you are, but that's a big part of it. People lose themselves when it comes to dating and there's a lot of anxiety around and there's a lot of like, oh, I hope he likes me or oh, I hope she likes me. And yet, why do you care if someone likes who you don't really know likes you or not? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, and then we also tend, there's another thing that I really wanted to point out was that we also tend to have these like really high expectations of other people and low standards for ourselves. Mm. So we have these expectations like of these other people who we don't even know, but yet we're not we're not raising this the bar for ourselves. Like stop raising the bar of like what another person has to be and instead just raise it for yourself. And I think that's a really big part of it and I I also think you mentioned confidence like Confidence is one of those traits that every single one of us is attracted to. A hundred percent. They say like, this a lot. There's nothing hotter than confidence. There's I've like, nothing hotter than I've confidence. seen like pictures of people and I've been like, oh, that person's like really good. And then you meet them and yeah. I don't know if it's just like their body language or like there's just no confidence. And I'm like, mm. and then you meet someone that you like never thought you'd be attracted to. And they have conf- confidence. Yeah, yeah. so swag. Far people. Yeah, and it's for men and women alike. I mean, it's just what we're attracted to. But the thing about confidence is, like, you know, we're all fearful, but you can still be fearful and do things anyway, and have a, like a little sense of courage, and you can still be fearful and still also be like, I'm fearful. You know, we all have the fear of not being enough. We all have a fear of, you know, being abandoned or dissed or, you know, we've all got egos that need to be checked on a regular basis. But if you can say deep down inside, like, I know what it is I want or I know what it is I definitely don't want. I, I know what's important to me. And so if you really can get connected to that, then you can date and you can let people go in and out of your life and not have it be a huge thing because at least you're staying very true to yourself in that way. And so I think that like finding your inner Zen when it comes to dating is really about understanding yourself. 
on oh, a I deeper level. Yeah. My therapist used to say, feel the fear and do it anyway. Do the, yes. That's a book. She didn't make that one. up, but it's great. It's I love one. that. Um, and when I Google Zen, it says it's a Japanese school of Buddhism emphasizing the value of meditation and intuition, which I think can really be applied to dating if you bring like, like a meditative calm and just go with your intuition a little more. Yeah. I think that, you know, we, um, we are always like kind of ignoring red flags and I really think that red flags should be <laughs> paid attention to. And I think that, you know, I think it's, it's a combination of things. I think you have to give people a chance, but if something is just like not feeling right, if the hair is on the back, my mom used to say, if the hair is on the back of your neck or standing up, just get away, walk away, <laughs> walk away. That is good. Your animal away. instincts. Good advice walk from away. Mama Chereki. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. It is time for us to break this down a little further in our Reason of the Week Breakdown. The trumpets came a little early this time. Yeah, it Love sounded that. good. Yeah. It was like the remix. Yeah. Uh, Jillian is our guru. And <laughs> oh, being a guru, it can do wonders for you keeping your zen. But gurus can take on many forms. We are going to ask Jillian to spot the imposter in a game we call Guru, guru or, or Dawson's, Dawson's Creek Quote. <laughs> okay. So well. we're going to read quotes that are either from a guru or from one of the characters in Dawson's Creek. Oh, God. And okay. you have to spot your fellow gurus and see if you can spot or the imposter. CW teen. Oh, yeah. God. Okay. Uh, it's harder than it sounds. Yes. <laughs> okay. First quote. Don't let yourself get so angry that you stop loving because one day you will wake up from that anger and the person you love won't be around anymore. Is that a Guru or Dawson's Creek quote? I think that's a Dawson's Creek quote. It is, but I yes. guess it's good advice. It's from Joey. Joey, good old I mean, Katie it's not, Holmes. Yeah, it's not bad advice, but yeah. All right, next up. No one's going to come along and tell you what's expected so you know how to succeed. Relationships are messy. That's their nature. Guru. Oh, Dawson's Creek. Dawson's Creek. That was Audrey. Audrey, wow. Which one, who was Audrey in Dawson's was Creek? Was that Michelle Williams? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. remember. Oh, but... God. I should have gone with my gut instinct, my inner zen. Okay. Did you, Your inner you, you zen. thought it was Dawson's Creek? Yeah. But, but you thought like, we wouldn't do two in a row. And I was like, I didn't really watch that show, but I was like, I don't know. Could someone really on that show just say that relationships are messy? I don't know. Ooh, Audrey was Busy Phillips, by the oh. way. Oh. I forgot Busy. That's how her and yeah, Michelle yeah. became best friends. Now it makes now sense. Now it makes sense. Uh, All right. Okay. I'm sure there were some Dawson's Creek like hardcore fans listening and they were like, oh, you idiot. No, that was Busy Phillips, not Michelle Williams. I know. I didn't really watch that show. Sorry, guys. That's okay. These, okay. Next I time. don't think even if you watch that show, I'm not sure it would help you in <laughs> yeah. this game. Okay. These are some deep cuts. Michelle, okay. Michelle Williams' character was... I'm looking. Mm, I don't remember. Oh, my God. Uh, People are going to kill us right now. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, listeners. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I did watch it. There was Pacey. Right, that was Joshua Jackson. Yeah, she was. I'm looking. I'm looking, guys. This is important. Jen, Jen, Jen. Lynn, duh. Who could forget Jen? Okay, all right. What next do we got one. next? Okay, next one. Being attached to someone is not about the other person. It's about your own sense of inadequacy. That's definitely Guru. Yes, mm-hmm. it's Sad Guru. 
Do you know who that Sadhguru? is? Sadhguru. Sadhguru. Sounds just like sad guru. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it does. All right. Next up. I don't believe in perf- perfect love, but I do believe that there are people whose lives are inextricably intertwined. <laughs> you say it again. I don't believe in perfect love, but I do believe that there are people whose lives are inextricably intertwined. You know, that's a tough one. Doesn't really sound like Guru or Dawson's Creek. I'm gonna say good Dawson's Creek. Uh, yeah. Yes, you're Teens. right. There that was, was good old Jack. Jack. Jack said that. Jack is wise. They got I so know. deep in Dawson's Creek. Yeah, I People mean, they forget. really did. People they, forget. They raised now their I kids I, right there. I think I'm going to like order this shit on Netflix. <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> well, inspo. Yeah. Um, all right. Most people are ego sensitive, not life sensitive. Guru. Yep. That was, was good old Sadhguru again. Sadhguru again. <laughs> all right. Next up. It's your unlimited power to care and to love that can make the biggest difference in the quality of your life. You have to get this one right. I mean, yeah, I, they, yeah that's Guru. It's, I mean, that sounds like Tony. It was. That's yeah, Tony Robbins. Robin. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know your Tony. I know my Tony. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, you're at 100% right now, by the way. No, she oh, got, one got one wrong. You got one wrong. Did you get one? Oh, I got one wrong. All right, sorry. Don't yeah, let me square. Okay. Don't worry. I'm keeping, I'm keeping track over yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next quote. Edge is fleeting. Heart lasts forever. Is that? I'm going to say that's Dawson's. Yeah. It was now Dawson himself <laughs> of the creek. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up. Asking for love is one of the most difficult things for anyone to risk. And by risking it first in your heart, you open a door that will never close again. Girl. Yeah. That was one of the most famous gurus, Deepak Chopra. Yes. yes. All right. Last one, okay. Jillian, for the win. True love is always fueled by lust. Dun, 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 dun. Dawson's. Dawson's? Yeah, that was Jen. Michelle Williams. This is, they got deep though. They got super deep. deep. No wonder our generation grew up with like weird love stuff. Yeah. (laughs) This this is what we were fed as children. I know. They got crazy deep. Uh, Amazing job. You got an A+. Plus. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, guys, we hope we have cleared up this week's reason of the week. That is it for this week's This Is Why You're Single podcast. A huge thanks to our guest, Jillian Turecki. Follow her newsletter. Check out all of her stuff at JillianTurecki.com. Jillian, T-U-R-E-C-K-I.com. Any other plugs we should tell people about? You got a Twitter... Insta. Uh, yoga know, classes. I know. Yoga classes at coolyoga.com, Instagram at Jillian Tarecki, and you know, just sign up for my newsletter because I've got lots of goodies coming your way. She does. It's full of information. You will want to follow her. Uh, you can also check out our book. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our audio book is available on Audible. And hey, you can get hooked up with discounts from all of our sponsors. For a full list of sponsors and the codes, check out our podcast page on thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com. Uh, we're also on social. So follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Your Single Show. You can like and subscribe on iTunes. Thank you guys so much for listening. Tune in next week for a whole new show. Bye. Bye. This is why you're single. 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 That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>